Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so the I don't I was wanted to ask you as in like a New York person, do you do you go to car washes? I don't. Yeah. Not not be all right. Because I feel like the rain could do that. Right. Right. And you know, I feel like you're paying money, um and I have gone, like when I've taken my vehicle back, like to be traded in, um, I took it to the car wash. But like those motherfuckers really don't do a good job either. Like they just like kind of like take this dirty ass rag, clean the inside, and the 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 big ass brushes clean the in the outside. I don't know. What about? Okay. I don't know. Well, so my car is so covered in bird poop that oh. like, when I went to the grocery store to open the hatchback, like I ended mm-hmm. up touching poop. Mm-hmm. You got you got the H1N1. That's all you need right now. Everyone right. else is getting COVID. You got the H1N1. <laughs> You're so behind at times. I know. I really am. Yeah, I don't know. I I just feel I don't know why I have this like aversion to going to going to any of the car washes here because it's because they I just aren't, I'm not used to the ones where, like, that there are people at them. Like, I'm just used to there being the automatic ones. And so, it just feels weird. That's all. It's not I mean, a good story, but. No, it's not. But, you know, it's, it's, I, I, it's something that I also agree with. It's like, I, I feel like I could do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. I would have to, I guess but, I could, I could try to run, I could try to run a hose out the front somehow. I mean, yeah, I mean, the point, well, I mean, you have to not park on the trees. That's the real thing. It's not the trees, it's the BQE. That's what the problem. Oh, fuck, you're right. I forgot yeah, about that. That's where we always yeah, um, It is, yeah. Yeah, you're going to have a problem with that. I mean, <laughs> what is it like? It's usually like 20 bucks for a car wash? I think if you just get them to do the outside, it's like 10 or 12. Yeah, like a like $2 tip for the guys. yeah. Okay. I mean, oh, it, so it, that was really my question was I didn't know how much to tip. That's what I it was. Like two or three dollars. You know what you do? Because like I know the one by where I usually get it done. Um, they have like a bucket, like a big ass, like clear bucket. So what I usually do is like wrap like a couple of dollars, but like make it look thick. <laughs> <laughs> so like because per- <laughs> perception is key, right? So it's right. like you just like make it look like you're putting a wad in there, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Be like, it's a one on the outside and there's two one hundreds in the middle. It's like when um you know, because it's it's something that they there's like some gas stations, like the guy has to pump it for you and it's like I could do this shit. Oh yeah, because in Jersey they it's all you you don't have the option of self serve. Yes. It's so That's weird. Right, you have. Like I have specifically avoided getting gas in New Jersey sometimes because of that, not because I'm that I don't want to pay the tip, but because I don't know how much to tip. Yeah. I mean, I mean, are you supposed to tip? I, I would tip like I like, usually my minimum tip is like $2. Okay. That's, you know, and, and I think for pumping gas, I'm not going to give you $5 because that's a lot. 
Yeah. And, and I'm not trying to demean the position. I just don't want, I mean, I'm trying to like, you know, like $5, like a, you know, like a, a gallon of gas right now is like two Oh seven in my neighborhood. Right. If I gave you $5. That's like close to, that's two and a half gallons almost. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like, like, what are we doing here? You know? Right. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, and I'm not, I'm not trying, like, I like, you know, I like tipping. I appreciate people's service. It's just like, yeah, I could do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? right like, i can literally like, i'm not opposed to getting out of my car and doing this yeah well no and i don't even i'm not like yeah i don't i'm not taking like a philosophical stance against tipping that because they're making it mandatory i'm not willing to tip i just don't know how much to and so then i'm like well i could get gas in maryland but I mean, like, not for nothing, like, <laughs> yeah, but you're going to have to gas up a couple of times. <laughs> not for nothing. I just I mean, said I mean, that. like, when I was on a trip to D.C. and back, that was where I would, you know, I w- was like, oh, I'll get the next state instead of right. this one. <laughs> I got the next state. <laughs> no, Well, it's funny because we were talking about, like, um, I, w- I just said, like, $2 is what I would tip. And in the short story we read the doctor was paid like $3 for the visit. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What was the year for this? That I mean, that had to have been like in the early 1900s. You think? And I th- oh, I think maybe it was the it was the 30s because it was when the um the, oh. the diphtheria uh mm-hmm. epidemic was at its height. William I'm I'm going to. I have a. I have a book here that will tell me if I could ever find it. Mm. He was born in 1883 and died in 1963. Okay. Oh yeah, he had a series of strokes. Different strokes. So I didn't know about William Carlos Williams uh, that. I only knew the red wheelbarrow. I didn't know he was. Um, I didn't know he was from New Jersey. Did you know he was Puerto Rican? Now I do. <laughs> now I do. Yeah. What he was? Yeah. I, I don't know why. It kind of. Um, it, it just made me feel funny about not funny, not funny like funny uncle, but funny like. I like uh, knowing he was from New Jersey just made him seem like so much more of a. I just had so much more of a grasp on him. Yeah, it seemed more palatable. Like no, being not- amongst <laughs> palatable, palatable, not pa- or palatable. He's my parent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, so I didn't, yeah, I, I, I didn't know I didn't know anything about him until I read. So this short story is called "The Use of Force." And it's a it's a super shorty. It's only it's only three pages. Yeah, it's really short. I, I thought it'd be a nice um, palate cleanse um, from. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's kind of an abrupt ending too, to the point where I was sending you I was sending you an email today saying, "Is does this PDF have the whole story in it?" And it's funny because when I looked at it, I was like, "Yes, it, I had to double check." <laughs> Because I could, I and I've read this several times, and I totally know why you would feel that way. But I still had to double check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's a pretty simple story, right? It's about it's about a would would you say he's a country doctor or? 
I don't know. I, I mean, I, I feel like he usually writes close to town, so I would say it'd be in Jersey, but not that like Jersey is so urban or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, you know, it's still pretty rural. Of, yeah. So like some of it is, but obviously the big cities are, but then so much of it is still. Is yeah. There. So I would, I would think that he's probably writing from experience. So it would be probably, and he practiced in Patterson, New Jersey, which would probably be close to you know like a, a you know rural setting okay and i think it would be there and he um, actually was a pediatrician for what 40 years something like that yeah he was a, yeah he was like he graduated upenn he was he was a legit doctor yeah although if if the uh protagonist in the story is based on him i don't know how legit <laughs> i mean i i kid uh, not really. I I I mean, like you know, the story. Or so let's let's lay out the story. This the he is a doctor is called in um, to look at a, a, a little girl who has a high fever for at least uh, for more than three days. Mm-hmm. Um, he comes into the the house uh, and she's sitting on her father's lap, and you know he's he's trying to soothe her and. You know, he, the doctor tells the little girl, you know, the father to just, you know, relax. I'm going to come in and do my thing. And, you know, the doctor starts asking all these questions. And basically, like, you know, the doctor starts getting, like, pinpointing to the point of, like, you know, you know, does she have a sore throat? And, like, the parents are like, no, she's never claimed that she did. And then, but, like, he has to get inside and see, you know, he wants yeah. to see her throat. Uh, to verify because you know diphtheria is around and i'm not really like what is um what what are the uh, what is what happens with diphtheria i'm not really so the... apparently there's uh there's a a membrane it's okay. it's, it's bacterial and yeah. but then it it causes a membrane to grow over the over the throat and the tonsil mm-hmm. and it eventually mm-hmm. the membrane um grows so large that it stops you from being able to breathe and, and you, okay. you suffocate from it. Ah, uh, got you. And it's and it's clearly it's contagious, right? Like, yeah, it's highly contagious. Okay. Um, so the and parents I, are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently, it went it went on for. Uh, it took a it took a long time for them to develop a vaccine for it. Um, mm-hmm. We do have a vaccine now, but it wasn't until the fifties. That uh, that they really were able to solidify it. So before that, okay. they had these. I think they called them antitoxins that would uh, sort of treat some of the symptoms of it, but it it didn't actually. I think it didn't affect the membrane. So mm. it um, they you know they would put like a tube down the person's throat to get past yeah. the membrane, um, like sort of like a permanent intubation almost. Wow, yeah. Yeah, and then the um it it would just go through. I guess it it seemed like it was children especially who were um really prone to it and so it would go through and just wipe out you know the majority of the children in a settlement. And Jeez. I think I read that in in Juneau, Alaska. It was I don't know. It was yeah, I think it was Juno. Though it it was killing like it had killed almost all of the children, 
in the town and so they actually the the reason the Iditarod came to be was mm. that um was it was a sled it was like they used sled dogs to get the the antitoxin to the town to stop all mm. the children from dying and so that's what the Iditarod actually commemorates was that sort of dangerous trip that was taken to try to save these children yeah wow i feel yeah. like there's a parallel somehow <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah i guess i don't I'm, know <laughs> i mean i always knew that there were that there you know have historically been illnesses that have swept through um you know even in america but i guess before this year it was never all that personal <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's it's funny because um uh, so the story lays out where she doesn't want to open her mouth and he has to um kind of get aggressive and to to make sure because like in, be, in being aggressive you know he's he i guess he would justify it as saying i need to find out if you have this illness and then i can save your life yeah well um, the reason why he suspects it is because other children in her school have had it so he right. kind of from the jump is thinking that's what it is and apparently the only the only way to assess it is for him to pry her mouth open right um yeah i mean how do you like yeah that's it's kind of like i don't know like how do you feel about like a an aggressive doctor just opening your mouth <laughs> <laughs> well i i it was it was very odd the perspective in this story because he uh it's purely from the doctor's point of view and even even the dialogue sort of isn't um the dialogue isn't even offset with quotation marks or anything. Like it just sort of, it's all his, his stream of thought about what's happening and his assessment right. of the situation. Right. And he, he likes the little girl. Like he, he admires sort of how spirited she is and that she, uh, like anything, she's beautiful, like a, like a little girl in a magazine or something. Right. He says in an advertisement. Yeah. And, yeah, so when he when he's trying to do this, he does he does talk to her initially, and he does try to reason with her too. He says, "You're old enough to know what I'm saying, you know. Right. You understand why I need to do this." I how old did they say she was? Ooh, I don't recall. She's oh, that's a good question. Mm. I don't know why I was picturing probably a seven or eight year old. Yeah, I picture like yeah, eight or nine. I totally yeah. picture that. Where they're where the kid is definitely big enough that if they if they fully oppose you, it's no joke. <laughs> if they yeah no they there's yeah. oppose you, um yeah. It, so she yes she sort of used emotion to try to keep him from doing it too. Once once she uh once he got her dad on his side to hold her down, then she said, yeah. "Oh, you're hurting me! You're hurting me." And that right. was the first time she talked. But then, so he doesn't just, he he gets a, a wooden tongue depressor in her mouth. And like a little shark, she snaps her mouth closed on it and gets splinters all over. Yeah, and her, she's and her tongue is bleeding. bleeding. Yeah. yeah. But even before that, um, she kind of like, uh, like lashes out at him and knocks his glasses off. 
Oh, when he initially tries to touch her. Yeah. Yeah. So like the, she's she's very um aggressive. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, mean, did you have a did I didn't really understand where it was coming from. Um mm, yeah, I I look at this as I I I from when I read this, I think of this as a man who probably doesn't want to get out of his house at this time of night is just doing the job and he, you know, he gets up and, you know, he has to do it and he gets there and he's just frustrated, frustrated, like about all everything frustrated about her, her being um, like not able to like be cooperative, Mm -hmm. frustrated by the parents um, you know, I think at one point he yells, he, he kind of says, you know, he thinks he doesn't yell. Like you said, it's in his head. Um, he says, please don't say that I'm going to hurt you. Please don't say that I'm nice. Um, right. you know, these little things that he's just, there's just like levels of frustration and it comes across to me, like why I kind of like really dig it is like, I feel like he's like this like monster hunter coming after her her virus, her whatever mm-hmm. ails her. Yeah. And it's not, it's not about like, I'm not here to make pleasantries. I'm here to fix you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know, and in that, you know, I, you know, I, I feel like, and, and this is very Jersey too, where, you know, Jersey is very like considered very blue collar. And I feel like he comes across like a very blue collar. I'm here to do a job, ma'am. I'm going to do my job. Yeah, like no matter what it takes. Yes, exactly. And it's like that's it, and we're done. And like, and I feel like it's very simple, like systematic. I come in. What's the problem? I don't believe anything you're saying. I'm gonna have to look for myself, and then I'm gonna figure it out, and then I'm gonna charge you. And like, that's exactly how I I felt like. Like he kind of handled the situation. Um, yeah, like yeah. But then he does. He does admit though that he completely loses it by the end oh he's had enough of her shit (laughs) yeah what he does is he gets the mom to give him a spoon and he uses that to ram into her mouth and you know finally sees that she does have this this membrane forming over her tonsils yeah and and then she's she's furious too that he you know exposed her right that he you know yeah, he got to her secret. He let yeah. her secret out. Which, you know, it's more, like, yeah. Which makes the almost, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, almost like a, um, like an exorcist, like a, like a possession, like as if the virus had possessed her. You know what I mean? Right. That's like, that's like a, a level of like exorcism that's happening. But people um, do hide things when they're sick sometimes because. They do. They if do. you know, you know, is she, she probably, you know based on how she was able to manipulate her parents, she clearly was a smart and aware little kid. Yeah. And she probably, she probably knew people were dying from this. And she wanted to die next. <laughs> well, if you have it, I mean, that's the thing. Like if, would if you have a, a really serious illness, like, I don't know how, how much do, how much do you trust other people to decide for you what Mm. what's going to happen or like what what reason would she have that's kind of what i was wondering is you know why why did she distrust her parents so much or 
or that you know that they were bringing him in or was it their distrust of the doctor somehow was conveyed to her and that's why she I, didn't go along with him there is there is a passage where he says um that they're only telling me some things like he gets on that like they're not telling me everything and i need to go Be- in because they want you me know, to earn my money. They want me to earn my $3. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah. So like there is like this like cat and mouse game that the parents are playing also with the doctor. Which I thought um, that was a class issue. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's reading this out of, you know, outside of its historical context, you, you know, you can... Yeah, you can look at different things. Like, do you think that they were rich, or do you think that he was playing the rich card, or uh, which? Where does the class? Sense, like, where does the? I guess because okay, this is this is why I thought class from the very beginning. Okay. So the in the second paragraph, he says, "When I arrived, I was met by the mother." A big, mm-hmm. startled-looking woman, very clean and apologetic, who merely said, "Is this the doctor?" and let me in. Mm-hmm. Why does he say very clean? Why does she say, "Is this a doctor?" When you don't go, when you go in, a, <laughs> if you go in a rich person's house, you don't comment on their cleanliness. Mm. It's a okay. It's a like it's a. It, I don't know if it's a microaggression, but it's the, you know, like, it's like commenting. It's like saying a black person is well-spoken. You know what you're saying. You're saying you're surprised. But it's funny because I was coming from the other angle, too, of like, why would she be like, is this the doctor? Well, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing to say to a person, you know, not is, are you the doctor, but just, is this the doctor? Yeah, it makes her seem yeah, kind of kind of loopy. So I see, I, cow. I see both sides to it. Is like what I'm saying, um, just like the other thing I was saying. Um, yeah, because you know, also because I keep harping on the fact that he's Puerto Rican. When what do you I mean? This. I mean, I know what it means. That he's Puerto Rican. What do you mean about? So like, when, like if she, like I'm, I'm thinking like so she, when she sees him. And she's like, "Oh, is this a doctor?" But that that could be totally like. My oh, own issue. interesting. Yeah, that could be my own issue right there. So you know, but I totally get what you say because that language. No one goes into anyone. Go, oh, she looks clean. <laughs> yeah. Because you, because otherwise you're expecting her to look dirty. I mean, so the vibe I got from him, so he was so he, he lets you in on how contemptuous he feels towards the parents. Yeah. And it was a really um, kind of complicated emotion. It seemed like coming from him of almost why why are you guys afraid of me? Right? Why are you why are you putting me at a distance? I don't like I don't necessarily view you that way until you start talking, and then I think you're mishandling all of this, and mm. then I feel contempt for you. Right? Yeah, it was is- it was interesting. Like he felt like the the girl was you know, kind of his equal as far as being like recognizing her humanity. Right. Well, I also think it's, it's a, it's a very like a sparring partner. Very like, like I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's a boxing match. I'm here and you're my equal to the point where like, whether I'm the hero and you're the villain, either way we have to combat. And usually yeah. they're on, 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 on very similar levels. 
um, and we'll see who's going to win. Well, and, in the end, know, he totally got off on it. Oh yeah, no, he there's there's something slightly perverse in 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 some of the language that's used. Yeah. Um, it, what it know, reminded he, me is like when um, a parent uh, beats their kid, and or we can say spanks either way. Beats is sort of inflammatory, but either one where it's like, oh, I'm I'm doing like they they do it because they're angry. Yeah, no. Usually, when you spank your child, it, it it's never gonna. It's and I can speak from experience. It's it's because you need to get something out. Like you need to like, yeah. It's that's why it doesn't work. Yeah, because it's not actually teaching the kid what you think it is. Right. It's teaching yeah, it's them just, something, but it's not. It's. Not, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm definitely not lecturing you as a parent, but I'm just talking. Oh, about I don't care. You can my, lecture me. No, no, no. Like, but just, my experience on the other side of it was, you know, like it doesn't. Um, like it, it, it just seemed like, oh, this person is out of control. So whatever, yeah, I mean, I, I, whatever I, I did made them mad enough that this is this is how they're, you know, this is what they're yeah. doing, and they're telling me no. like a math formula, and it's not. I, I, I mean, combating bad behavior with an like a um, with a very spontaneous um, action is probably not the best thing to do. Yeah, um, because. Because honestly, because it's, it's like, it's, you know, it's, it's, it goes, I, I'm going to go back to mental health. It's like you, you, you take the drug to alleviate, but if you don't do therapy with drugs and if, you know, that, you know, I mean, like your Prozac or whatever, if you don't do the therapy and you don't put the work in, you don't resolve anything. Yeah. So the same thing with like spanking, it's, it's, it's a spontaneous thing to get the parent to like alleviate this pain, but like. Maybe in like a week later, the kid's going to do the same thing and there's no like resolution to it. So, you know, it doesn't really work. I mean, it feels good for like in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but it, it, yeah, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not anti spanking. I'm just, you know, anti like, you like think about it first, you know, like think about what's going on, what's, um, you know, but, you know, hey, I'm not going to tell anybody how to raise their kids. I just don't, I mean, so it was interesting to read a story about, uh, about someone using, using their authority. In this case, it was their authority as a physician mm-hmm. to nominate a child physically. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. That's, that statement just sounds awkward. Yeah. It, well, it, yeah. it was, a, it was a, it's an awkward story. Yeah, it was. Sure. Um, but it, I mean, it's just it, like it's it's interesting because the um, you know the authority of a doctor can sort of supplant other traditional forms of authority in different yeah. situations, and so you know coming into these people's homes, he's been engaged to provide a service, but because he's the doctor, you know he does at least he's he's upfront with them that um, he gets their permission to do it. He does, right. he does tell them, you know, he asks them, you know, should I force her? And they're, because of they're aware of the seriousness of the disease, they say, go ahead. But it's such an odd, you know, it, this is, you know, a hundred years ago we're talking about. And so they, he did actually try to talk with the girl, but there wasn't, you know, th- none of them sort of sat down with her and said, you, you know, let's just all calm down. And it, it, yeah. in the story too, he could have walked away and come back at another time, and it probably would have been better to do that. 
and instead he just goes ahead and you know rips her i mean i i was curious like what i i wanted to look this up and then got distracted and i'm glad i did but i wanted to look up like what would the um what would the physical consequences been could it what could they have been as far as injuring her like could he have broken her jaw doing that oh uh, because well like I mean, that, yeah, I know, you, you, it made me think of the suffragettes it's in mm-hmm. Britain where when they were in prison, you know, yeah. like they're, they basically had their jaws broken when they went on hunger strikes. Yeah. They were to feed them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not, I, I didn't, I mean, I didn't think it was, it's not that it was something that was uncalled for. It makes sense that, you know, it, the, like this idea in medical situations of it's a little bit of physical comfort, discomfort or indignity, that you're suffering, but that doesn't matter because we know what's better for you. Why'd you want her to die? <laughs> I don't know why she, <laughs> it's more, I'm more curious about like, why did she want to die? Because I do think she knew, I think she was just afraid. I think her parents were abusing her. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, they were painted more, as, especially the mom, because the doctor yeah. eventually got the dad on his side. They were painted as just being, these sort of weak-willed parents, you know, right. who, who didn't just do the right thing because they, you know, like it, his thought was just like, oh, it's like they can't be bothered to or they're too stupid to. Mm. But I don't know. I've I've had a lot of weird medical experiences, so I guess, you know, I was going to take it how I was going to take it. You were going to take it like you were the little girl lashing out at the doctor coming to get you at Uh the middle of the night. Well, I mean, I would never, I would never have done that. But I also, uh, I mean, I don't just trust doctors categorically. Not, I don't distrust them categorically either, but I don't, I don't assume that that because they went to school that they took an oath that they're necessarily actually you know, whether out of malice or not, like going to, you know, use that authority the way they should. Yeah, no, I hear that. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, and specifically with, with serious stuff, you, I don't ever like, yeah, of course, get a second opinion. <laughs> like if like, you know, I don't, I, if, if, yeah, if something's really bothering you and you don't get the answers, I always think you should keep going. Yeah. Um. Well, like, let me the, give you an example. Like, I when I first got sick last year, when I had mm. uh, uh, I had a bilateral pulmonary embolism, which right. because I had I cancer causes blood clots, and so I had these blood clots in my lungs, and ended up in the ER. And that was I didn't know that I had cancer yet. That was just the first thing, um, the first sign of it, and so you know, my experience wasn't all bad, but I was, I was put on a, I I was having heart damage because of the blood clots were stopping me from getting enough oxygen. And so it was making my heart work a lot harder than it should. And uh, so I was on this special heart telemetry floor, mm-hmm. which is where you're, you know, like uh, you have a special heart pack where they sit on at the nurse's station and monitor all of your readings very specifically. And Mm -hmm. so there I was, and I was, I was really close to the nurse's station and there was this, uh, all of a sudden kind of like a, I was really about to say hullabaloo. 
Um, there was some kind of dust up <laughs> happening in the hallway. Ah! I don't know what overcame me. Um, there was something going on in the hallway, a bunch of people. And so I just sat there listening to this. And what it turned out to be was that there was this old man and he wanted to go home. He had gotten out of his room and he wanted to go home. Mm-hmm. And he was, he, I, he was, I guess old enough and a little bit out of it enough that they, they were telling him he couldn't, that it wasn't his decision. And, and basically here's the thing. Once you've been admitted to a hospital, they, they don't have to let you go. Mm-hmm. Like you completely lose your autonomy. Yeah, Once you're in a hospital, in, you're in their care. Yeah, and you can say that you know you could if you have the um, if you have the capacity to advocate for yourself, you can ask to be checked out against medical authority. But mm-hmm. like in this case with this old man, he didn't, and it it was a difficult situation because you know I'm sure the right thing for them wasn't to let him go, but at the same time they. I, when they, they physically, they ended up holding him down and sticking a needle in his arm. And Mm. in my room, I was right. uh, There was a a curtain sort of pulled half in front of the door. It was a weird room. And so Mm. they tried to pull him into my room so that they could physically subdue him. Mm -hmm. And then the, the, um, the security guard was like, Oh shit, that's, Oh, you're in here. Sorry. And then, they did it, and then they did it in the hallway right outside my room instead. And so they took that man down like he was a criminal because he, you know, I like I it, it was a situation that it did need to end somehow. But it I, I don't know. It was really it was just really uh, upsetting to me in the moment anyway, being there where uh hearing hearing their back and forth they never from the beginning ever entertained the possibility that he could make decisions for himself right and uh i don't know i mean the hospital i was in was one that is in a um in a very working class neighborhood and i think they're is on a on a heart floor they're not used to dealing with people who can speak for themselves mm-hmm. a right. lot of the time but it I don't know. It was a weird situation. And and even in that one, they would, the doctors would tell me something different every day. Mm. So it's just funny because they, there's definitely this sort of um, almost like with law enforcement or the military, that kind of like civilian versus the professional split where they just sort of assume everybody is a liar. Yeah. No, I, then, I, and they also lie to you. Because right. they, they, you know, they would tell me something different every single day, um, just based on what they thought I needed to hear. As far as they would tell me, I could go home the next day every day. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I've I've had really great medical experiences in that very same in that very same hospital, and that's not nothing so terrible. But it is, it is a weird position to be in. Yeah. It, yeah like who's the authority How, who do we give authority to as well yeah yeah i don't know yeah. it also it reminded me too when my when my mom was um in nursing school in michigan in the 1960s um one of the things that they did to all of the nurses before they could graduate from the program was that they put them in a hospital gown put them in a bed and mm. then um 
hooked them up to i mean they didn't put a needle in but they you know hooked them up to the iv so that you had something you were attached to mm-hmm. and then they smeared their bed with peanut butter and just oh. left left them there and then you know when they would call for a nurse to come they would take a long time to come back and then kind of not be that nice to them about cleaning up the situation and my mom said she you know she never forgot that of what of what it feels like to be in a bed and be helpless. Mm, the weird way to create empathy, but okay. Right. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a strange thing. Like, who came up with that? That's like a sheer mind fuck. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, so this is peanut butter. You get that it's a stand-in for shit, right? <laughs> so who's got, the sh- who's got the peanut butter? Uh <laughs> I mean, listen, A for effort, right? I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No, I, I know. I mean, it's, it is weird in, 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 like, in society with the authority. And, like, you know, even with regards to, like, you know, the most recent, uh, you know, it's not most recent, but, like, it's it's coming up now because everyone's talking about, you know, defund the police and, and what that means and how scared everybody gets when you say that. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the police are supposed to be the authority figure, but like, you kind of have to lose some of that authority if you're fucking around too much. Um, you know, yeah, you don't you don't want to lose your own autonomy and own independence. And when you do check into a hospital, you kind of do lose that. Yeah, and sometimes for the good, and and sometimes maybe not. Um, you know, we're relatively still kind of young, so you know, we can, we still have some sort of advocacy for on our part, but that, that, that old man probably didn't definitely does not <laughs> like, yeah, um, the, and, and the little girl doesn't, yeah, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, another thing too, when I, the next time I was in the hospital, when I went back, um, the, I, they, they just kept me every day and weren't running tests. And so it wasn't until I think the third or maybe the fourth day where I finally, I got a social worker to come in and said, they're not doing anything. So you need to check me out. Whatever the paperwork is to let me go home, you need to let me go home. And, and, you know, I, I heard her fully have the conversation at the nurse's station about that. And then once, once I said that, then they got the tests in and all of a sudden I had all these doctors come in and within another day, they actually figured out what was wrong with me. Yeah. I don't have time for procrastination at work. You guys. Yeah. If you leave, I don't know. It's an interesting thing because it's not like medicine is a science, but the application of medicine is not. It's still a job. Yeah. And it's not, it, yeah. uh, it's not done in an efficient manner a lot of the time. And I was just lucky to have, insurance that could cover being in the hospital for five days you know right all of the the problems i had but well that's the other thing too i mean we you know looking at you know the united states and its healthcare system it's like you kind of have to look at it like these people are trying to fleece my insurance you know what i mean like they're like you know they're they're gonna keep me here an extra day or two to get some extra money out of out of my insurance and it's like well, that sucks. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, like, because also like the patient's vulnerable when they're in a hospital, you know, like 
they're worried and they're scared and you're taking your you're literally taking your time prior to seeing me just maybe to get a couple of extra bucks for the hospital i mean you know yeah. pure speculation but i mean i wouldn't put it past well there's sort of no incentive to move it along faster it, because the, for, for the doctor they have the liability aspect of they don't want to they and i do not mean all doctors but that it really does make it so that they would rather they would rather eliminate all possibilities of what a diagnosis could be before they say what it is. Yeah. And so, you know, they're just exactly. If you have insurance, let's, let's keep her here. Yeah. It's, and it, you know, I mean, it's, it's the same way, like for like, you know, my insurance is like when I go to the doctor and, 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 you know, you know, pre COVID, it was like, let's squeeze 35 people in like an afternoon because we can milk all their insurances. It's like, that's not healthcare. Like you're not, you're not like seeing me for like 15, 20 minutes and having a conversation with me at the doctor. You're basically creating an assembly line to get me out and then put the next person in and no one feels satisfied. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. um, you know, I went to the, I went, I did a physical maybe two, three weeks ago and because of COVID it's everything has slowed down dramatically and the doctor actually spent time with me and it was yeah. weird. And I was almost like, are you, are we done? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, and then like, you know, it's just because everything is by appointment now and everything, they can't have like 10 to 15 people in a waiting room. Right. And you can have that more one-on-one -on -one encounter with your doctor, which is what it should be. <laughs> like, Right. You know, where the doc where the doctor actually sees you, you know, the patient, not you, number five. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, this healthcare shit is never gonna it's clearly not gonna get fixed by us, but it's it's I will say that going to the doctor to see the doctor and the doctor actually has a conversation with you and actually even if it's fake, but at least feign some interest in your health. Mm -hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot nicer. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a yeah. lot nicer. And it did make me want to be. It also made me want to be like, you know, I need to take care of myself because you've actually, you know, like you've told you we had a conversation about it and you've enlightened me. And I don't know. It's just it's a different experience. It was one that I had never had before. <laughs> yeah. Or at least rarely. And I don't know. And I think it should always be like that. We should be treated like people. I don't know. Yeah. Because the, the, I don't know. Otherwise, if you, with medicine, if you, you've learned all the statistics and how they're applied, but then, uh, I mean, statistics, they only give you a general idea. And then mm -hmm. when you actually apply them on an individual basis, you have to look at what you're seeing there. Right. And so, like with like with me initially they told me that the that I had the blood clots just because of my weight mm -hmm. it, they completely even though um 20% 20% of all the of blood clots are caused by cancer mm -hmm. but they just looked at they just looked at my weight and said oh you need to go home and lose weight right and so that's why in this story when the he kept talking about her appearance as if because she was such a beautiful girl, it was part of what he liked about mm -hmm. her. It was, right. such a, I don't know. It was just such a strange thing of, you know, what are you, what are you, why are you choosing to focus on that? 
Right. And that that was a very weird thing. But at least what I did appreciate in, into that vein that he didn't know to go deeper, though. Like the appearance yeah. was something. But he still know there was he still knew there was something else. Right. You know, but that yeah, I, I I mean the way that like yeah, like the description it seemed it's it's almost unnecessary. So what um what drew you was it the was it mostly like the Puerto Rican connection or what drew you to this story? Um I do uh I I like the simplicity of it. It's very simple, it's very short. Um, I like the way he, um, I, I, I do like William Carlos Williams, um, as a writer, I think he's very, um, simple, but very yeah. complex and, and, and very complex in the simplicity, which is something I, I really, um, I really enjoy because it's like, I, and I, and I go back to that blue collar thing. It's like, if you can convey, if you can write on a level that can reach m- more people. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whether it's the mass, you know, you can use it, the, the word the mass, but if you can reach a larger majority of people and still convey complex ideas, um, it's kind of very, like I said, it's to me, it's very blue collar in its, in its, its, its implementation. And I thoroughly appreciate that. Um, yeah. You it's know, very, it's very practical. Yeah, it is. And even if you read like, you know, the the Red Wheelbarrow is a very simple poem. It that is. People yeah. just talk about it so much. And it's like, I don't know, like, you know, everyone talks about, you know, everyone talks about how, you know, President, whatever the hell his name is, Donald Trump, um, appe- appeals to them because they feel like they understand him. And I think while, you know, that's on a level that it could be whether because he speaks like, you know, in short sentences and he repeats himself over and over again. <laughs> and that can appeal to people maybe that don't have, you know, um, on their reading levels or whatever. And I'm not trying to be pejorative, but like, no, I do think I do think that there are ways to reach people that don't have high reading levels and still convey complex ideas that they will understand. Yeah. And I think William Carlos Williams is someone who can do that. And I really thoroughly appreciate that about him. Um, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't think you need to, um, I, I think you can communicate on an intellectual level without using an intellectual atmosphere, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and I think that is something that, you know, I don't think that, you know, I think Donald Trump does a disservice to, to people because of that, you know, it's just, it's not right. And I think, we need to, you know, I don't mean to be on a soapbox, but like, I just feel like, you know, yeah, there are people who don't have high levels of education, but I think people would be taught to them in a, in a manner that's, you know, very easy to understand and also true. I think people can get it, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, you don't have to be so, I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, it's, it's a sort, sort of taking advantage of something, you know what I mean? in the way he speaks. And I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Oh, that's so, yeah, that's interesting. Be, just because people, they don't feel like they're being talked down to, but he's, but he's still using it to, to muddy the waters just as much as somebody using, you know, four and five syllable words to, you know, so, like you can either use, you can use complex language to communicate more clearly or you can use it to obfuscate you know like you can use it to 
um, to try to speak over people's head when you really don't have any substance there or you're just or you're trying to hide what you're saying and he's he's speaking very very poorly and that's yeah like i think that has a a certain amount of familiarity or like it just it doesn't seem condescending to people yeah because he's bad at it 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 really is kind of like it i mean it's not blackface but it kind of is like i don't know what you want to call it hillbilly face or what i don't know what you want to call it but it, to me, it's insulting, and it's yeah. not lifting any. It's not lifting anyone up. No, it's a whole performance. It's, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's not genuine. No, and it's sad. And then I, 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 you know, it's something like you know, we would, I would have conversations with like people when I was in grad school, and like try to like you know, there would be all these like. Um, these academic writers, these professors who were like brilliant, but when they would write, it'd be so dense. And I'd be mm-hmm. like, God, I have to read this like five times to understand it. And I still don't understand it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But then some writers are so brilliant. They just lay it out and it's dense material, but it's, it's, it, you get it. No, I, I guess the last thing I would say about William Carlos Williams is I'd like that he lets you fill in the blanks for yourself. Mm. And that's okay. You know, like the, like with the red wheelbarrow, the the so much depends upon it. He doesn't try to tell you what it is. Yeah. How do, how how do you feel about poetry? Oh, that was. I mean, I I like it. Uh, that was that was <laughs> that was mainly. I mean, my degree is actually in creative writing, and that was what I focused on. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, that's that opens up a whole another avenue. Okay. <laughs> um, what's your favorite um like poem of all time? Uh there's Which is one a by, really hard question. <laughs> there's one by Emily Bronte, um mm-hmm. that talks about no coward soul is mine. Mm. That's that's one I like a lot. And then um, I mean my big one is um is actually Margaret Atwood. I have, no. I have all of her. Um, that lady. That lady, yeah. I have. <laughs> uh, I have all of her poetry. I think, which is a mm. lot. Yeah. Yeah, she's okay. the one that I I own the most of. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, this week, however, I uh, the book that I bought was not a poetry book. It was a cookbook. Uh, you bought a cookbook? I bought a cookbook. I even went and picked it up. In 2020? Yeah. You, you wait. <laughs> okay. Well, you picked it up from where? There's no bookstores anymore. <laughs> There's one in Bay Ridge <laughs> that, I, that I went to. Um, yeah, I started, I, I think when I got Bryant's uh, birthday present back in August, that's when I found this bookstore. It's uh, Barnes & Noble? Oh, it was an independent <laughs> It's independent, yeah, and uh, and it's it's even owned by a woman. So I, yeah, anytime I get a book, I order it from there and go pick it up. Okay, um, what's the book? It's a cookbook by Maddie Matheson. Okay, uh, Who, what does she do? I mean, obviously she cooks, but what, <laughs> like, what's her? <laughs> uh, he's actually he's a Canadian oh, it's a guy. guy. It's a guy. Oh. Yeah, you might have seen him. I don't, do you ever watch Vice on YouTube? Like the uh, the kind um... of broy guys they have sometimes but they they're kind of a little bit annoying to me oh yeah oh yeah 
Um, but this guy, he's he's Canadian, and uh, he's he's this real fat guy. He's kind of shaped like an orange, and he, uh, <laughs> I guess he was he was big into punk when he was younger, and he's super tattooed. He's even like tattooed on his jowls. Um, okay. But he he had trained as a chef, and he uh, I don't, he's had a bunch of restaurants in Toronto. And I guess when Vice got a hold of him, they had him they had him aside from doing cooking stuff. They also had him kind of do like a travel log show in Canada. So okay. he would he would go to all the different provinces and um, you know go go to restaurants, but also just sort of like check out what the sort of up and coming scenes were. Um, and, and it was really cool. It was, it's funny to see somebody, um, kind of like with Tony Bourdain, how like they become these weird ambassadors, even though they're not, you know, that's not where they come from whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's, I don't know. I like him. He screams a lot. Like he's kind of like the, um, like a Canadian Sam Kinison of cooking. Like he's Um, just... uh... Is yelling. this show only on Vice? Like it's not on like any Food Network thing, right? It's, yeah, it's but only... then he but then he did his own uh his own YouTube series too. Okay. All right. Yeah. And so he he had one cookbook that I didn't get, but he just came out with another one called um Homestyle Cookery. <laughs> okay. And like and, what's uh, the what's what's the um thing about that? Like what's the what got you? <laughs> uh i just he had he he did another youtube series where he was cooking stuff from it and he just mm-hmm. um i a lot of the times he he cooks stuff i'm not that adventurous about meat but he he'll cook stuff that i wouldn't necessarily you know like make this giant like rack of lamb or something but then the technique that he'll use on the sauce or you know even chopping or the way that he dresses something is something mm-hmm. that i take away from it so yeah. it, this this book is I don't know it's a big one and it's a it's a it's a pretty book I, <laughs> it's it's a good book it's a pretty book um, <laughs> but it's just I don't know it's a it's a nice one to flip through and there's a, there's just so much there like I'm excited about actually you know going through it and, right. and making some stuff in it but first first recipe you're gonna do oh there was actually there was actually he called it a salad but it was like a it was roasted sweet potatoes that then you put these um sort of chunks of blue cheese and then a vinaigrette on and um it was sort of an interest it was an interesting combination of stuff where i was like no all those flavors all make sense like it was really you have the sweet and the like the salt of the blue cheese and yeah yeah. no all of yeah it does and then the vinaigrette to cut all of it yeah um yeah but it's, it's it's also seemed like a lot of rich flavors too like it's a lot of yeah, it's gonna like punch you in the mouth. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> like, that's that sounds. He's I don't know. He's funny. He's a. Um, I think why I have tolerance for his screaming is sometimes he forgets to do it, and then I'm like, oh, you're great. You're like oh, when so he actually it seems genuine. Like it doesn't seem like put on like an act. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, no, I think he is doing it on purpose, but he's it's with a certain. It's definitely very aware that he's doing it mm. on purpose. Um, and he actually, I think he had, he was doing so, so many drugs and drinking so much that he had a heart attack when he was 30. Wow. And so then after that, he kind of reined it in and, you know, started having kids and, and he's not, he's definitely still a punk, 
but he's but now he's like an orange shaped you know probably 40 year old punk so and he's Uh, so canadian he's so canadian like i'm from almost canada that's how far north in michigan i'm from and just the way he talks and um he's like he's this guy who screams all the time but then he's so polite he's so polite and like his um I don't know his his kitchen skills are insane too like the just when you realize like there he is screaming at the camera and meanwhile his hands are doing just this impeccable knife technique it's like chopping right yeah yeah it just it's like magic that his hands just work separately from his mouth <laughs> <laughs> well that's a good thing um yeah so that's what, what I've, that's what I've been watching this week okay that's cool um I haven't I, I did I, I wow I haven't really did, what what happened this week Well all right so there was uh, so there's like it, you know it's Christmas time and there's like a sale on all the video games so you want to buy the one that you've been waiting all like a year and a half for Yeah and the one that you don't want to pay like $65 for so you wait to the like 20 bucks and you're like 20 bucks is a good deal mm-hmm. so, so this is game I I I purchased um and it's supposed to be like artsy video game and you know, I, I you know, I, I just tried it last night for the first time, but I, I, I was not in a good headspace for it because it was very like weird and like not. Yeah, you need to be in the right frame of mind for it. Um, I don't know if this is a recommendation, but this is what I've been doing was just trying this particular game out for the since yesterday, and I have to say that um, I have to go back because it kind of freaked me out a little bit because it was very. Um, very very lonely (laughs) like you know you were just a very isolated character in the world and it was very like um it was kind of just like kind of like um i don't know how we're gonna be in like two weeks when everyone is um kind of locked in lockdown (laughs) yeah i don't know yeah like not enough escapism in that yeah, there's yeah, exactly. It's just like you know, give me something where it's cartoonish right now. Um, not something that hits way too close to home. Also because like you're a delivery man too. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, like I don't know if playing a video game where you're a delivery man is fun, but uh, we'll find <laughs> out. I'm not really sure. Like I don't know. I'm not really sure. You know, I mean, you're, at least you don't work for Amazon cuz then you'd have like no health insurance and they'd be trying to take things away from you. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like have you have you played Animal Crossing at all? My daughter's played it. I haven't played it. I haven't either, I don't even know what it's it just, about. I it I think you just have to it's just like having a house on an island that you have to clean up and <laughs> buy yeah. things for. And I'm like, I'm oh, I'm doing Animal Crossing at home. Yeah. It's like The Sims, like years ago, like The Sims was cool. Like The Sims was cool, like when I was 20 and I was living by myself and I was trying to figure shit out. Mm. And I'm like, oh, this is how you be an adult, right? This is how you do it. And then all of a sudden you start really doing it and you're like, I don't want to play this anymore. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but no, no, this isn't fun because I got to like really pay bills. And like y'all can get a job really quick in The Sims, not in real life. Right, different. <laughs> it's you know, <laughs> just make up some shit, and all of a sudden you're a musician. That's not how it works. Yeah, you got to actually learn to play that thing. Maybe I'll yeah. learn to play some instruments this winter. Well, you have <laughs> instruments at home. I do have instruments. 
Do you have yeah. the, do you have like a banjo and a ukulele, right? I have I have a ukulele and I have a keyboard. Oh, I thought you had a banjo. No, my well, my ukulele is a um, it's the tenor sized ukulele, so it's sort of like a baby guitar. Okay. So it's and not it's qu- a, not quite so small. Four strings, right? Yeah. Okay. And it's the four. It's the four bottom, right? It's been so long since I got that out that I don't even remember. Can you? Can you just? It's time. It's time to play. It's time to play. Blonk, donk, 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 donk. That's my singing, my ukulele. Yeah, I mean, you got that down, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Well, so we didn't even talk at all about what next next week's uh, read is. Yeah, what are we be. doing next week? This is a free and easy. I gave you three pages. I was like, you know, you got to read this one, and I was like, I got to read this one. <laughs> There's actually a there's a Margaret Atwood poem that's sort of a a long form story that mm-hmm. I was thinking about. We could do that for next week. Okay, I'm on it. I'm uh, uh, just yeah. Uh, what's the name of it? Well, you could I, just tell me, or or email me if you don't have it offhand. Yeah, I can't think of it, but I'll uh, I will email it to you and I will put it in the show notes for our fine listeners. It's funny because I actually found another Flannery O'Connor uh, short story. Oh yeah. In a book that I had, um, I was like, oh, maybe we should read that one. <laughs> maybe I'm going to recommend that in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> let, uh, let me, um, A Good Man is Hard to Find. Have you ever read that one? Uh, that's the that's quote at the beginning of the one we did read. It is a good, you're, you're 100% right. Oh, no. Connections. <laughs> No, I I don't think I have read that one. Or if I have, it's been so long, I forgot. Okay. All right, guys. Well, um, that was this week's episode of... Uh, oh, we didn't, did we didn't even do the thing. Oh, we never said who we were or what was happening. Like I said, if... if listen. If you don't know, now you're you never going <laughs> to... <laughs> well, goodbye from Broken Corners. Yes. Uh, um, this is Armando saying goodbye. This is Karen saying goodbye. So, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>